Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. Thanks for joining us today. And today we're joined via the phone by uh, Tony Lawson, uh, and he'll be sharing his testimony today. Uh, Mr. Tony, how are you doing today? Well, I have a cold, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. We've had to be creative in this season, not always being able to be together. So uh, technology, I'm thankful for technology um, that allows us to record over the phone, uh, even if we're not all able to be together. And Tony, just start out telling us about where you're from and about where you uh, grew up. I'm uh, from Elton originally. Um, in fact, uh, north of Elton, uh, almost at the Page County line where I was born at. And um, I uh, lived in Elton uh, up until uh, two years ago. And so I know a lot about the, on the Elton area. A lot of people down there uh, know me. In my working life, I was in uh, retail, mostly in uh, management. Uh, I spent about 38 years in uh, retail and uh, worked in various places. Um, and the uh, last place that I worked was at Vance Auto Parts. Mm. Right there in Elkton, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So you grew up in Elkton. Tell us a little bit about when you grew up there. Uh, maybe you can give us a little insight into what it was like as a kid growing up there and a little bit about your family life. Well, when I, uh, with my family, um, I have a, my mom and my dad, and we had uh, four children, including myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an older sister. She was the oldest of us, and there were three of us boys. I was the middle boy. Mm. Uh, I have one brother that's uh, five years older than me and one that's eight years younger. And uh, my dad uh, worked at Merck. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and uh, I had a good family life, mm. uh, basically. Uh, as I was growing up as a boy, I used to like to ride uh, bikes, and I would ride all day long, literally, <laughs> uh, a lot of times. I also always enjoyed history and enjoyed uh, old things. And uh, from time to time, I would find myself uh, digging around in dumps, digging around where most people didn't want to go. Mm. and seeing if I could find some kind of artifact or something that I was interested in. And uh, just sort of carried on leading up till now. I'm 65 years old and still like doing that. Yeah. So you went to school there. Did you go through high school there in Elkton? That's right. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, uh, I um, went to school, uh, graduated in 1973, and uh, in my senior year, I met a girl. <laughs> Who, uh, I knew her off and on a little bit, um, several years of school, but the first time I had a class with her was in 12th grade, and I sat behind her, and uh, we sort of got to know each other, and uh, I asked her out on a date in April. Well, our first date was in April, and we got married in December. Hey, so, that's about uh, the length of our courtship. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're soon to have our 47th uh, wedding anniversary. So uh, Wow. So that's, uh, it's been good. And we have two children. Uh, you know John. Yep. Yeah, John and, is on our pastoral staff here. Yeah. And then, of course, I have my daughter, Amy, and I have three grandchildren. Uh, of course, we have one grandchildren live here in the house with us in Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. But then uh, we have two other grandchildren. And I have one new addition who just turned one year old, my mm-hmm. great-grandson, Levi. 
Wow. And I'm so proud of them. It's just it's such a, such a blessing to uh, meet with them all, and it's been hard this year because the the meetings have been rare. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do uh, we do love our family. Yeah, you know, in this hard year that we've been through, um, I think we are grateful for technology that can help us be a little more connected to those we love, and so I'm sure that's been a good thing for you all too. Um, yeah to be able to have that, to, to reach out to family. So, uh, you know, in the midst of it, we do find blessings. So you, actually, I'm going to let Grayson ask a question because he is leaning into his mic. Well, I just, there was a couple of things as you were talking, uh, Tony, that stuck out to me. And I'll start with the first one since you mentioned it was a hobby that you kind of got in your boyhood. And that was searching for old things for, uh, things you said normally in trash dumps and that Mm -hmm. type of stuff where people wouldn't want. So I just wondered, you know, what sparked that interest for, you know, collecting and that type of stuff? Well, a number of years ago, I read a book, and in it, this guy wrote that prior to the uh, 20th century, there was not really a word that they uh, used much for trash. Um, Trash was not something you had. Mm. because the people prior to the 20th century basically used everything. Mm. Um, they and they reused everything. And so they didn't throw things away. And so as a result, what we've got now is we have so many things that basically after they're used for four or five years, they're, you can't reuse them. Mm. And so if I can reuse something and repurpose something and make it usable again or in, even in, in its original form, it just interests me. Yeah. And so um, I just, uh, I love antiques, uh, and I love the design of a lot of the tools and things like that that they made back in the old days because uh, they just took so much pride in all the work. And now everything is mass-produced. And don't get me wrong, we have technology, and I, and I appreciate that. We have technology and so forth. But it seems that um, we don't create things that are, uh, we're not as artistic today as what we used to be. Things are more of a production uh, homes. There's nothing like walking into an old home with all of the design, the details, and in the woodwork. And we don't see that um, in today's world. So you're right. And I love, I just love the thought of what you've shared. And I want to come back to it in a little bit, but I want to ask you went to high school, you were engaged to Carolyn, and you all um, had children, raised them there in Elkton. Were you raised in church? Was that a part of your life? I was. I was. We, um, when I was a boy, um, my mom got us uh, three kids, uh, prior to my little brother, got us three kids ready for church every single Sunday. Mm. And uh, we went to church at the uh, a little church about two miles uh, up in the Fleaburg area of Page County, mm-hmm. which was only a couple miles from our house. And unfortunately, my dad, what he would do is come up there, he would take us to church, and then he'd go back home. Mm -hmm. And then he would come back at 12 o'clock to pick us up. And, uh, of course, when my little brother was born in 1963, uh, that continued on. My dad really didn't get interested in his church until I was in my teens. And basically, by that time, my brother had grown up, and my sister was already married and so forth. And dad, he started uh, going to church, and he had an 
interest in church. In fact, he eventually became Sunday school superintendent at that little mm. church, and it's still there, uh, although uh, they got a new building now. Their old building burned down several years ago. But uh, the point is, and uh, later on in life, me and my dad would like to get together. My dad played the guitar. He was from a musical family. He played the guitar. My dad and I would get together and sing, uh, play and sing, and dad would uh, mostly play, and I would sing. And we went to probably half a dozen, maybe ten different churches around from time to time, playing and singing different places. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we really enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was uh, a good experience to work with, with my dad. Yeah. Um, my dad didn't actually find the Lord until it was probably in his, he was probably in his fifties, uh, mm-hmm. late fifties, uh, really. And uh, he had an experience. I'm not going to go into any details with, but he had an experience, and he finally accepted Christ as mm-hmm. his Savior. And when he uh, died, in fact, Pastor Jim preached my dad's funeral. Pastor Jim always uh, mentioned, I don't ever get around Pastor Jim, but he don't mention how much he enjoyed knowing my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a, a Christian from her childhood, and uh, I became a Christian uh, in when I was 13. Okay. Uh, I sang in the choir at the church, and we were invited to go to a church in Elkton or outside of Elkton there to sing. And uh, that night, the preacher preached. Uh, I remember it so clearly. Uh, his name was Charles Allen. And I remember uh, I was convicted, and I went forward and gave my life to the Lord uh, that night at that little church, East Point United Methodist Church. And I remember a gentleman, uh, Columbus Frazier, he came up and prayed with me, and I received Christ that night. Mm. And uh, it's been a good experience ever since. Yeah, that's powerful. You mentioned uh, coming to Christ when you were 13 and singing in the choir. I was just going to ask, if there was anything else uh, in your boy or teenage or young adult years that stick out that really had a huge impact, especially in your spiritual journey? Well, let me just say this. Just because I became a Christian when I was 13, it didn't mean that I lived the way I ought to live after that. Yeah. I got involved with some guys, uh, and I love them to this day, but I got involved in a lot of things I shouldn't have been involved in, uh, basically alcohol. And uh, I never did drugs or anything uh, like that, but alcohol and smoking. And uh, we did a lot of running around and uh, done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. You, but, you know, and a lot of times we would be camping and we would spend the night. And I never will forget this because I would be walking home on a Sunday morning from a night of carousing around. And I never will forget it. It was just like the, the Lord was speaking to me all the way home. What's wrong with you? What are you doing with yourself? And I would go home and I'd go home and take a shower, get ready and go to church that day. And I always went to church no matter what. And it just seemed that he was drawing me closer to him. And then, of course, when me and Carolyn got together, Carolyn came from a, a situation in her household where she, uh, I'm not going to go into any details there, but uh, she was really staunch against drinking. Oh, my goodness, staunch against <laughs> drinking. And she said, you know, I like you, uh, you know, and, I, and all that. She said, but I will not tolerate drinking. And so I had to decide. Uh, and I got mad when she told me that. And so I went out and did my thing one night, and I got sick as could be. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you dumb idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> and I said, okay, this is the last time. 
and I hadn't had a drink since. And that was in 1973. Wow. Uh, I didn't need. I didn't need no more. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the so, Lord, the Lord gives us a good dose of. Uh, he allows us that free will, um, but sometimes those big doses will do us in for good. And I have a story somewhat like that myself. And, and, I, and I'm thankful to know that he didn't turn his back on me. I was turning my back on him. Yeah. You know, that's so, the thing about it is, you know. You know, I, I, we talk a lot of times on this program about we can grow up and in the church and we can somewhat be on the coattails of our parents' faith. And there comes a time where it becomes our own. You know, we went to church because our parents took us, but there comes a time when we go, uh, and it sounds like you always felt a conviction to be there. So a lot of times when we go to church, we go because our parents told us that we were going to church. You know, your mama got you ready every Sunday type of thing. And there comes a time when we, our faith becomes our own, that we can't ride our parents' coattails of faith. So do you remember that? You know, I don't ever remember. Uh, It was just, I went to church so regularly that it was no, wasn't even a question of whether I was going to go. It was just where I was going to go. Yeah. And uh, as a result of that, let me just say this. After Carolyn and I were married in 1973, we lived in Elkton. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, in town, and the, the church that she went to was a little church that met at a VFW building at the time in Elkton, and so we chose to go to church there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where we ended up at uh, for a good number of years. And so I'll be honest with you, uh, when COVID hit and we couldn't go to church uh, for what two to three months, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, that was the weirdest time of my life. Mm. You know, I've never been like this. I mean, of course, I'm not going to say I've been every single service every Sunday. Yeah. But I bet you I could count on two hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, my entire life. And so it's just, uh, it's not a question of, it's just where am I going to go? Yeah. And so, in fact, that little church that we went to, eventually, uh, it had a lay pastor, and I lay pastored that little church for about 13 years. Wow. From uh, 1984 up to 1997, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and when I ended up resigning as lay pastor of that church, we actually left that church. Mm-hmm. And that's when we first started at the Church of Nazarene on January the 28, 1998, huh. uh, at the Stone Spring Elementary School. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was, and, and the uh, Nazarene Church uh, has been an answer to prayer for us. Mm. Yeah, I can I could identify with that. So you talked about in... Um, the beginning, um, how that you would go and dig for artifacts uh, where most people wouldn't look. And mm-hmm. I, in my mind, immediately uh, went to the people that are overlooked. Um, oh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay. I'll be honest with you. Um, in the Elkton area or in Shenandoah area that I grew up in, there have been uh, many, many, many church splits. Mm. Uh, a lot of different churches split, and uh, in every and sometimes, and that's rare. 
but sometimes it's good thing. But most times it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's over non-important issues. Right. But I'll be honest with you, I guarantee you one thing. Every single church split there is, there's going to be somebody that's going to be connected with that church split that's going to be disillusioned with Christianity. Yep. Thinking in their mind that, hey, I don't need this in my life. I don't need all this pressure. I don't need people who don't want to get along with each other over any any little things. And so as a result, they are turned off from churches. Now, I compared this to um, someone uh, several months ago, and it really impressed upon him. I do a little bit of wood. I'm not a carpenter. I'm a wood butcher. (laughs) And and, uh, I use a table saw sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if I cut a piece of wood down the center, you've got two pieces of wood left over. Well, what else do you have? You have the splinters, the sawdust. The people that are left behind who are not interested in church no more as a result of something someone did or whatever or has something that happened in a church split, they're the splinters. Mm. They're the sawdust. They're laying behind, and many people neglect them. Mm. And in God's eyes, they're not splinters. In God's eyes, they're his children. Yeah. But as a result of them being uh, neglected, they end up headed to hell in a lot of cases. And so what we as Christians need to do is we need to think, well, listen, is it worth it all to argue over what color you paint the outside of the church? Mm. Is it worth it all to argue about what version of Scripture you use? Is it worth it all? to argue about what kind of music you play in the church or what is what is worth it all. Yeah. And you know what's worth it all? Jesus Christ is worth it all. Amen. He, Amen. He's the one that unites. He's not the one that divides. Yeah, you're and, right. And, and so we as Christian people need not, uh, we need to really think twice before we um, uh, start taking sides in the church. You know, we really need to think twice. Uh, and don't get me wrong, we need to stand our ground when it comes to, you know, essentials. Right <laughs> thinking, we need to stand our ground. Yes. God never changes. And we are living in a day and age when the church is under attack more than ever before. And probably, I'm not going to get into politics, but probably that's going to increase. Mm, yeah. That's going to increase. And, and so we need to be staunch and we need to really look at people it's just like the other day i was walking my dog and uh this has been about three weeks ago walking my dog and i met a lady walking on the sidewalk and it was early morning and and when i walked by her i said good morning how are you and she said good morning and then by the time i got about 10 feet away from her i heard her bust out and crying and just crying like crazy Mm. and i stopped and i said ma'am are you okay and she didn't know me, nor did I know her, but she was hurting. And so I told her, I said, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. My mm. mama died. Mm. And my brother put my mama in a nursing home and didn't ask any of us about it. And it wasn't a good nursing home, she said. I don't know where the nursing home was. I, I don't know. I know the lady's name is Anna, and I've been praying for her ever since. Mm. But anyway, I told her, and she said she died of COVID. Mm. She was 91 years old. I said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, can I pray with you? So there on the street of Bridgewater, as the cars were passing by, 
they saw a man standing there in a pair of big overhauls with a little old dog and a lady standing there bowed in prayer. And we're having a prayer. And I'm praying for her. I'm praying for uh, her way she was hurting. I'm also praying for reconciliation with her and her brother. Mm. Because, uh, you know, whatever made him, what, why, and she may have died anyway. I don't know. But God knows. And right. we need to, you know, uh, we need to lay aside, you know, we need to take every opportunity to, you know, when we see someone like that, we don't just keep walking. God put them in our path for a purpose. That's I'm one who believes. I'm one who believes that there are certain people who are living in this world today that only you, Margaret, mm-hmm. you, Gracie, me mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. reach. I have a friend of mine, and Margaret, you've met him before, and I'm not mentioning his name, but he struggled. He's had a struggle, mm-hmm. and his, yeah. since you've met him, his wife died. Mm-hmm. His wife died. But every morning, every morning, about the second thing I do in the morning is I send him a Bible verse. Mm, that's, and uh, I text it to him that's because powerful. I want him to have a little bit of God in his life every day. Yeah. And if I miss a morning, if I miss a morning, he's saying, "Where's my Bible verse?" <laughs> Tell him <laughs> to pick up his I Bible. I love him reading them. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, powerful. And it just is so encouraging. You know, I, do any of us know a person like that? Yeah. You know, I think we all do. Yeah, I'm not it, taking the credit for it. No. I'm just simply saying we can do simple things like that. Well, and, and you know, that interaction on the street of Bridgewater, um, that was a divine appointment, and you were about your father's business. That walk wasn't about walking the dog. It was about walking the dog, but God had something for you. He had someone he placed in your life, I mean, right there um, that was hurting. And, you know, I wonder... Why was it that she burst into tears as she came into the presence of another person? You know, uh, one of the pastors on our staff here, Pastor Sam, has made the comment often, and I've probably said it on here before, but when people come into the presence of a believer, they're one person away from God. And not only that, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. And there is just no doubt in my mind that God was just in that moment. And there was something that bore witness to her pain and that she burst into tears. And maybe she hadn't been in close contact with people. You know, we don't realize how lonely people are in these days. And we don't have to, like some of your words, I've written them down because they are speaking to my heart today. Um, This idea of, looking for artifacts that you would go as a child and dig in the dumpsters where most people don't look. And this is true in these days. There are so many people that are hurting and that I think the enemy is coming at us um, as believers and there's just an all-out war right now in the heavenlies. But the one thing that I see the enemy coming at at believers, for sure, is to make them question who they are and whose they are. And the reason is we have hope. And if we don't believe that we are children of the king, we won't live like it, and we certainly won't share it. And so I'm encouraged today just to hear your testimony up to date of what God's doing in your life. We all encounter people. We don't see much more than their eyes these days with 
the wearing of masks, but I encourage anyone that's listening, and I'm sure you would too, look into those eyes and um, see the people that are in front of us. I needed to hear that today, afresh and anew, and I'm challenged. Again, some of your words early on, what you like to do is repurpose things. And isn't that what God is in the business of doing? Um, He takes the broken lives, uh, the likes of you and I and of Grayson and those listening, and he makes all things new through Jesus Christ. And he resets us, you know, he puts us on our feet and calls us to love a broken world around us. Tony, thank you for sharing today. And some of the things that stuck out to me as you were talking, you were talking about how we need to be united as Christians and be an example to those in the church who might be new to their faith or might not know Christ. And we certainly don't want to turn them away from Christ by our petty arguing and that kind of stuff. And uh, just so unity, I mean, the Bible says they will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. And also, as you were telling the story about the lady you encountered while walking your dog in Bridgewater, I was just thinking about also how the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.18 that we're agents of reconciliation. And Pastor Adrian uh, Mills at our church, uh, I believe it was sometime in the summer, encouraged us to set our clocks at 5.18 every evening just to remind us to pray uh, that God would use us as agents of reconciliation. And it sounds like uh, that he used you in that situation, and I'm sure in many others, um, as an agent of reconciliation. And as a great reminder to all of us as Christians that he wants to use us as an agent of reconciliation. Yeah, and, you know, it's really exciting. You've talked a little bit about um, some of the church, the pain of what happens in churches sometimes, and I understand that pain. Um and from, you know, you came from the Elkton area, and I just, I wanted to come back and say, and maybe just you could kind of close with this, what it's like for you to, now that our church is planning a campus, um, opening a campus there in Elkton, I'm sure that's something that you've thought a, a lot about over the years. So um, do you want to speak into that a little bit? Well, I'm excited about that. I, I really am. I'm excited about that because I know there is a great need in that area. Um, and like I said, there is a lot of people down there who have been hurt. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people in those churches that are split, but they're wonderful people and they're serving the Lord. Uh, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people uh, on the fringes who just have decided to. Uh, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. The sawdust. I, I don't want anything to do with it. And the thing about it is, it's not, you know, it, it, it's Christ. And, and they, they need Christ Amen. in their life. And so, you know, and I just want to mention one other thing. Um, I did meet that lady on the street, and I did I did have that prayer with her. But how many times have I mm. not responded when mm. God put someone in my yeah. path? Mm. And so uh, I really... You know, that was an experience for me. It still, you know, it still kind of goes back in my mind. That was an experience. Mm-hmm. And another thing I want to mention is I not I was not a Christian when I sang in the choir. Mm-hmm. And if I had not been singing in the choir, I would not, you know, on that tall October day or night when I was 13 years old, I would not have came to know Christ. And so encourage your children encourage the children mm. to 
to be involved. Yeah. And though, no, they may not have uh, received Christ yet, but put them in places where they can receive, where they can be rightly influenced. Mm. Um, you know, don't discourage them. You know, I, I've been, uh, you know, I've wondered sometimes, you know, so should that person be in the choir? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just use, I just use this example. But I remember Pastor Terry allowing my son to come in wearing shorts and a t-shirt to play the drums at the Nazarene Church mm-hmm. uh, when shortly after we started coming to Nazarene Church in uh, Sun Spring Elementary School. Look where my son is now. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about there's some yeah. correlations between your testimony and his um, in the church, in the church loving you where you are and letting God change you. And that's that's a and, powerful and Pastor, thing. Pastor Terry got some criticism for allowing that boy up there. Did. Well, you he, know, he got some criticism, but you know what? I, I just pray that people would just okay, loosen up a little bit. <laughs> you know, give the boy a chance. <laughs> you know, and that's where and so, we have to trust that our pastor is listening to God and taking his cues from the Lord as he ministers, because we can all have opinions, can't we? Um, but yep, we can. Yeah, I'm uh, probably the most opinionated person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Tony, that's a great word of encouragement um, that you've shared with us today. And uh, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that as you've heard Tony Lawson's testimony, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.